Okay, well, hi, all of you out there in TV land. <laughs> I've been wanting to say that since I used to watch Howdy Doody. But anyway, um, I think technology is wonderful that we have an opportunity that we can continue sharing the Word of God even when we have this kind of mandate of no groups larger than ten. But let's start off with a word of prayer. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Because there truly is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. And we thank you, Father, for your word, because your word is truth. And through your word, we have instruction, we have guidance and encouragement. And so, Father, I pray that as we break open this portion this morning, that you would come by your Holy Spirit and minister to each person who's listening to and seeing this service. And so now, Father, I pray for your anointing and your blessing, that I might speak your truth to these, your people. And I ask this all in Jesus' name, amen and amen. And I just want to make an announcement to everyone who is uh, listening or watching. We're still going to be having uh, our Wednesday Bible study. And if you go to our, our website, um, you, which, is, uh, which is calvarychapelkirkville.com, and there's a picture of a coronavirus, which... I guess it's kind of funny. And you click that, and it gives all the instructions how you can come in live. And you're actually, it's going to be FaceTime. And uh, so we can have up to 100 people. And also, uh, ladies, for the Tuesday Women's Bible Study, we're going to have that this week as well. Same thing. You can go online. It's a free download of Zoom. And uh, all you do is click into uh, our meeting and the women will be able to have FaceTime together and be able to communicate with one another. And so we're thankful uh, for the technology that the Lord has provided for times such as this. You know, um, I don't think I know that we're not in this present situation outside of God's knowledge or will. God is in charge of all things, and he works all things for good, for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And I believe that for whatever reasons that we might not know right now, God is using this to bring people closer to him. I think it's sobering the general population. People are realizing that it's not all about fun and games, but maybe there are things that they, they must more seriously consider. They have to seriously consider that is beyond just this life. And so I, I think that God is going to be using this to bring families together, to bring people closer to the Lord, and he's going to work out a lot of good things through all of this and, and maybe open a lot of eyes that people might really see the truth. And I, I don't want to sound like a commercial, but uh, if you go to our website, also there's a book on there that I wrote called uh, The Book of Revelation Made Plain and Clear. And it's a book that I worked on for... Um, uh, over four years, and it really helps explain some of the things that are going on and what we're, why we're seeing the times that we're living in. And um, all the proceeds for it right now go to the church, and so it's not a, a sales technique I'm using. Now, this pr particular portion, and we are in Numbers 15, and I will be covering verses 22 through 29. Numbers 15, 22 through 29. And this portion is all about unintentional sin. And we have to realize that unintentional sin is not only being unaware of your sin, but it might be being unaware of your situation that puts you in, in, into 
a place where you can fall to sin. Because oftentimes it's not a matter of someone just saying, I'm just going, I, I'm ignorant, I didn't know I even sinned. But they might allow themselves to go someplace or to be in a certain situation where the temptation is so overwhelming, they fall to sin. And I think those are the kinds of things we need to be aware of and be willing to eliminate. In fact, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, in verses 8 and 9, it says, If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands and two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire. Verse 9, and if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes and be cast into hellfire. So we have to understand that if there are things in our life that tempt us and pull us down to sin, maybe we need to simply remove them. You know, it's not always easy, but sometimes we need to make choices that are going to help us in our walk with the Lord. If I know going someplace or doing certain things is going to cause me to fall, I need to eliminate it. It's better to have those things eliminated than to have our hearts be turned from God. Now, unintentional unintentional sin, which we're talking about in this particular portion of Scripture, is something that we need to take very seriously. Because I think so many people don't understand or realize or accept the fact that heaven and hell are real. Jesus talked more about hell than anyone else in Scripture. And so we have to realize that this physical life we have is very temporary. It's very temporary. But eternal life is what we should all be concerned with. In um, Hebrews chapter 9 and verses 27 through 28 it says this and as it is appointed for man to die once we're only going to die as believers once but after that judgment so christ also offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him um, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation talking about waiting for his return. And I think what we're seeing in the world today is birth pangs are starting to happen. And I believe that we as believers need to be lifting up our head and recognizing the times in which we're living. And that is such a motivation for us to share our faith and, and, and to encourage others in their walk with the Lord. Because eternity is real. And, and I think about the fact that so many of us have had people go on before us um, Last night, my wife and I were uh, watching the video of the, of the song, I Can Only Imagine. And what they were doing is they were showing people who had lost someone they loved, and uh, pictures of someone they loved. And the point that he was making in it is the fact that there is something beyond this life. I can only imagine what it'll be like. And so those that we might have missed, those that we love, that have died, have, that have gone before us, it's only for a short time. But for all eternity, we're going to be together. We shall know and be known. We will know one another. You're not going to get to heaven and be thinking, well, who, who are they? We're going to know. 
And we're going to be fellowshipping together before the Lord for all eternity. It's just so unimaginable. It's so exciting to think about that. Now, I love the portion that says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us what? The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you and I have victory over sin, not because of how great we are, but because of how great he is. He's the one who paid the full price. So now we're picking up in Numbers 15, starting with verse 22. Numbers 15, 22. If you sin unintentionally, unintentionally and do not observe all these commandments which the Lord has spoken to Moses, all that the Lord has commanded you, by the hand of Moses, from the day the Lord gave commandments and onward through your generation, then it will be, if it is unintentionally committed, without the knowledge of the congregation, that the whole congregation shall offer one bull as a burnt offering, as a sweet aroma to the Lord, with its grain offering and its drink offering, according to the ordinances, and one kid of the goats as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for the whole congregation of the children of Israel, and it shall be forgiven them. For it was unintentional. They shall bring their offering, an offering made by fire to the Lord, and their sin offering before the Lord for their unintentional sin. It shall be forgiven the whole congregation of the children of Israel, and the stranger who dwells among them, because all the people did it unintentionally. And if a person sins unintentionally, then he shall bring a female goat in his first year as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for the person who sins unintentionally. When he sins unintentionally before the Lord to make atonement for him, it shall be forgiven him. You shall have one law for him who sins unintentionally, for him who is native born among the children of Israel, and from the stranger who dwells among them. So we have to understand that unintentional sin doesn't make it right. That's the reason there's atonement for it. I mean, some people think, well, I didn't do it on purpose. Well, no. Every sin has to be atoned for. Now, if you say, if you say well, I didn't mean to, or, uh, you know, my friend is the one that led me into it, all you're doing is making excuses. The reality is we sinned. Therefore, atonement has to be made for it. And... Um, so sin, of course, then, needs to be repented of. We, we have to realize that there's only one means for the forgiveness of sin, and that is confession and repentance. You know, if we say, God, forgive me, a sinner, he does. It's not a matter of us having to go through all kinds of rituals and rites. It's just a matter of confessing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and asking him to forgive us our sin. Because there are certain people and people groups and situations um, that can cause us to sin, then we need to understand that we as believers have a responsibility to move, to change direction. If you're doing something on a daily basis that leads you down a wrong road, you change direction. You don't keep going that way. And so as believers, we have to be aware of the fact that just because sin is unintentional, it doesn't mean it's okay or it's something we can just wink at. Remember, in 1 John chapter 1, and verses 5 through 7, it says this, 
This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's never religion. It's always fellowship. And so when we are confessing our sins, it is important for us then to walk in the light as we read here, as he is in the light. If we're going to be in fellowship with the Lord, we have to be in the light. And that's why we need to understand that sin and being in the presence of God are mutually exclusive. If you're going to walk in sin, you're walking alone. If you're going to be walking with God, sin has to be outside. It's the only choice we have. And how many of us, if we're really being honest with ourselves, we've had those times that we're walking with the Lord, man, we're in prayer, we've been reading our scriptures, and we've been really you know, keeping our focus on him, and you just feel great. Then maybe you take your eyes off the Lord or you allow yourself to get into a wrong situation, and all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, how did I get here? How did I get here? How many times do we make our confession in the morning? Well, you know what? Tonight I'm going to make best use of my, of my time. I'm not going to sit around and watch TV and just waste my time. Tonight I'm going to be in prayer and da 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 And then the evening comes and you're tired and you find yourself sitting down and saying, well, I'm just going, going to see what's happening on the news. And the next thing you know, you're in front of the TV for the whole evening. The point I'm talking about and I'm, I'm considering here is the fact that that is intentionally putting ourselves in a position that really separates us from having fellowship and worship with the Lord. And as hard as it might be, sometimes we need to make those decisions. <clears throat> I think um, some of the means of media that we have today are very wonderful. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this worship time right now, this preaching of the message over the Internet. But in the same hand, it can be very distracting, can't it? I mean, you can go on the, on the Internet or you can go on your phone and be distracted for a whole evening, never having any fellowship with, uh, with the Lord or any fellowship with one another. And, you know, one of the things I want to mention here, too, because I think sometimes people get confused and they, and they think, well, I, I'd love to be walking in the light and be in fellowship with the Lord constantly. But, boy, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. I've got to work. I've got to clean the house. I've got to cook. I've got to, you know, whatever it might be. Well, I think the thing you have to understand, God didn't call us to be cloistered monks. He called us to be in this world. And so when you're cleaning your house, you're cleaning it as unto the Lord. When you're going to work, you're working as unto the Lord. So everything we do, Scripture says, we should be doing it as unto the Lord. So maybe the very thing that you do, if you're a student like the, my grandson in the back, you're, you're doing that unto the Lord. But yet we need to make time to have that individual fellowship with one another. It's just like with married couples. You know, so often the, the, the husband, maybe both husband and wife, they're off at work. They're separated from one another. But they're doing what they should be doing. But they need to have that time of communion and fellowship with one another in order for their relationship to be strong. And so the same with you and I. We might be off doing this. We might be off doing that. We might be thinking this. We might be thinking that. 
But the reality is we need to come together and have that kind of fellowship with one another. Come on in, gang. Boy, I'll tell you what, we're up to our full 10 right now. It's our limit. Now, in, in um, the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 27 and verse 46, I'm going to make a point. And I've been talking about the fact that sin and being in the presence of the Lord in relationship with him, uh, you, you can't have both. They're mutually exclusive. Even Jesus Christ was removed from fellowship with the Father when the sin of the world was laid upon him. Now understand, this was no sin that he willfully committed or chose to commit. The sin that laid upon Jesus was your sin and was mine. He willingly went to the cross and died for us for our sin. But nevertheless, there was that one point that all the sin of the world was on Jesus Christ. And at that point, he could not be in fellowship with the Father. And we find this in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46. And it says, In about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. This is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So at that moment, when all the sin of the world was on him, the, God, the Lord God had to turn his head away. But yet he did it for us out of love. And how much more should we be willing to turn from our sin? The very sin he died for, the very sin he suffered for, we should be willing to turn from our sin, to do whatever is necessary in order to have victory over those things that pull us down and pull us away from the Lord. And there's only one way that any of us can be restored back into fellowship with the Lord if we have committed sin. And that's the verse that you all know I love so much. If, it's a requirement, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. But we have to understand that confession of sin isn't just saying, yep, I did it. Confession of sin is from the heart. I did it, and I'm sorry, and I don't want to do that again. I want your, your spirit to give me victory over this, Lord. I confess it, because confession has to go along with repentance, and repentance means to turn around. So if I'm doing something that causes me to sin, and I confess and ask God's forgiveness, I have to be willing to repent and turn around and make sure that I walk away from or distance myself from that which causes me to fall. Because all of us have those areas in our life that can just pull us down so quick, right? Sometimes we try to make excuses. Well, they're not that bad, or it's okay, or I got it under control. Now, if you have an area that you find yourself from time to time, maybe more often than you'd like, pulling you down, maybe it's something that needs to be removed from your life. Now, this portion, it points out that even a whole congregation can sin unintentionally. And this could be some kind of a false doctrine or teaching that is um, either intentionally or unintentionally brought into a fellowship. And, and we're not talking about different doctrines that some churches might have. When we talk about this kind of false teaching, we're talking about those things that deal with the deity of Jesus Christ or the way and means of salvation. I mean, some churches, you know, have... 
uh, you know, di- different little doctrines. And it really doesn't take away from the deity of Christ or the means of salvation. And those things are just uh, little uh, arguments that we might have or differences we might have. But what I'm talking about is when we allow things that really take away from our understanding of Scripture and the deity of Christ, it's very serious. It's one of the reasons that in our fellowship we go right to the Bible. We cover every single verse from Genesis to Revelation. Because what that does is it eliminates a lot of false teaching. Because many false teachings are based on, I take a verse from here, and I take a verse from there. I take this verse, and I kind of twist it around to give a meaning that I want. But the fact is, when you go right to the Bible, all of those twists and turns that you've tried to make will be wiped clean. They'll be shown to be wrong. You follow what I'm saying? And... Um, Because so often, if you have a doctrine that doesn't line up with Scripture, it's because someone has taken a verse from here, taken a verse from there, and a verse from here out of context. But when you put it in full context to the Scripture, it proves that that teaching is wrong. And so we have to realize that we have to stick clearly to the Word of God. Now, so there's only one way, of course that we can be sure that we're following the Lord, and that is by reading and knowing and understanding his word. It's not enough for you just to come here or to be listening or watching and hearing me preach the word. You need to study it. Because we have to understand that we're Bereans. What does a Berean mean? It means that we receive the word with all eagerness, but we examine the scriptures to see if what is being taught is true. And there has to be that kind of openness. I mean, if I come in here and I say, well, here's what I'm teaching, and you better believe it if you're going to be part of this church, well, that is a wrong attitude and understanding of what it means to be a pastor. I should be preaching the word of God, giving you the freedom to check me out and make sure it's according to Scripture. And if you find that something I'm teaching is not according to Scripture, you have the freedom to come to me and say, hey, look here, Pastor, I, I, I see this and this and that. And it can be corrected. Now, when we talk about um, salvation, we have to understand it's not secured. Our salvation, our relationship with God is not secured uh, by participating in certain sacraments or, or observing certain rites and rituals, but it's by confessing our sin and repenting and asking Jesus to forgive us, to come into our heart and to take over our life. You know, so many want their sins forgiven, but they don't want Jesus to take over their life. Well, in that case... It's really hard to think you're you're seeking full forgiveness because, as I mentioned earlier, forgiveness requires what? Repentance, which means turning around, turning from our sin. And so we have to have that understanding that if we're going to confess, we have to repent. We need to turn from our sin. Now, we have a high priest who not only made atonement for our sin, but for the sin of the whole world, and that's Jesus Christ. And Jesus died for the whole world, but it must be received. He died for the whole world, but we must receive his salvation individually. In Deuteronomy twenty-four sixteen, it says, 
Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for his own sin. So the point that I'm getting at here, it's not a matter of some kind of a universal salvation or some kind of a churchy salvation. Everyone's salvation is individual. I'm not held responsible for your sin. You're not held responsible for my sin. We have to acknowledge our own sin individually and repent of it so that it might be atoned for. And I think even in some cases, you might have a situation where a pastor and church leaders need to repent. Because sometimes it can be easy to fall into some kind of false doctrine, some kind of false teaching that's just sweeping through the church, and then you're teaching it to the whole fellowship, and they're just receiving from their pastor and from their church leaders, and they're receiving this, and maybe you find out that it's a false teaching, that it really doesn't line up with Scripture. And in those cases, I think the pastor and the leaders... They need to confess and repent, not only before the Lord, but before the whole congregation so that that teaching can be turned around and they can be following the correct way that God has laid out for the the believer. Now, we now are under the new covenant, and I'm glad about that because we read in this portion that I just went over, you know, this sacrifice for this and this sacrifice for that, and if it's intentional, if it's unintentional. And it could be very confusing. There's all kinds of sacrifices for different kinds of sins we're reading about here. But the thing is, as, new, as believers in Jesus Christ under the new covenant, there's just one sacrifice for sin and for all. In fact, in Romans chapter 6, verses 10 and 11, it says, For the death that he died, listen to this, he died to sin once for all. No one excluded. He died for everyone. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have to consider ourselves dead to sin. A dead person can't do anything, can't do something. You know what I'm saying? If you say to a dead person, hey, why don't you pick that candle off? They can't do it. They're dead. So if we're dead to sin, we can't do something because we have died to sin in Jesus Christ. And that's what he's commanding us to do here. And also in Romans, uh, in Hebrews 9:12, it says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, He entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. So he who has Christ has all his sin atoned for. Not just some of your sin, not just part of your sin. You know, um, like I said, there's been a lot of false teachings that have come into the church. And uh, there was a teaching a number of years ago that said that you had to remember all of your old sin in order to confess them so that they'd be forgiven. And so you had to have meetings and gather together and say, well, you know, when I was 6 years old or when I was 12 years old, or I just remembered that I committed this sin. And, and, and you had to confess all those sins, you know, in front of your whole group in order for them to be forgiven. Well, they made the mistake by not knowing the Scripture. He died for sin, not individual sins. He died for sin once and for all. So when you came to Jesus Christ and you said, God, forgive me a sinner, every sin you've ever committed has been forgiven. 
And every sin you shall commit has been atoned for, but you still need to confess and repent of it. You haven't lost your salvation, you're still saved, you're still going to heaven, but you have to understand that when you do commit sin, you have to ask God's forgiveness and also be willing to do whatever is necessary to remove it, to turn from it. Because he who does not have, does not have Christ remains in their sin. You know, so many people will say, well, they were a good person. I think they're probably in heaven. Or I don't know how that person couldn't go to heaven. They're such a good person. If we could be good enough to go to heaven, then Jesus need not have come. And God would be cruel to send his son to die a horrible death on a cross if it wasn't necessary. No one can go to the Father outside of Jesus Christ. No one. There's no exception. There's no one who has done enough good deeds or whatever. And we try to make up all these things to make ourselves feel good. Well, I think they're probably in heaven. Well, were they born again of the Spirit? Probably not. Well, I, okay. They're probably not in heaven then. Remember, there is a heaven and there is a hell. And when we're absent from this body, our judgment is sealed. It's appointed unto every man once to die and then judgment. It's sealed at that point. And so it's during this time that we have breath in our nostrils that we have the responsibility of making the choice. Jesus, I want to live for you. Jesus, forgive me my sin. Come into my life. Take it over. I want to walk with you. And then whether we live or whether we die, we're the Lord's. What a beautiful promise we have in that. You know, in the Gospel of John, chapter 2, and verse 24 Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will die in your sins. Boy, there's a bottom line. If you do not believe that Jesus is who he said he is and that he came to atone for our sins and you accept that sacrifice that he made, then you're still in your sin. And the sinner is not going to see eternal life. They're going to see eternal death. And I think oftentimes we have a hard time with that because all of us have people that we love. All of us have people that we know that aren't saved. And it's a natural thing when you love someone, you don't want to see them go into hell. But on the other hand, when you start making excuses for them, making it, making it seem like they can get to heaven outside of Jesus Christ, then you're really trampling underfoot the love of God in Christ Jesus. No one will see the Father outside of Jesus Christ. And understand, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, listen, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that lives and believes in me shall never die. Like many of us have loved ones that have gone before us. Do you ever think about this? I mean, people we love, relatives close to us that have gone on before us, they're not dead. They are not dead. They're alive in Christ according to what we see in Scripture, and I believe it. And one day we're going to be with them for all eternity. And this will just be a bad dream. This, this will just be a bad dream. 
And so my encouragement to all of you as we look at this portion of Scripture is to understand that we can sin unintentionally, but brothers and sisters, there are sins that we do that are totally intentional. We need to turn from those, and we need to have the boldness of heart and spirit to go out and share the truth with those we love. All of us have family and friends that we love dearly, and if we keep our mouths shut and do not share the truth with them, what kind of friend are we? What kind of love are we really showing? I think we all have those people that we're kind of a little leery of, even relatives and family, kind of a leery, little leery of talking about the things of God. Why? Are you ashamed? Are we ashamed of him? Are we ashamed of our salvation? I hope not. So we need to be bold. I think we're living in a time, brothers and sisters, I think we're living in a time Jesus could come back any moment. I literally mean that. Any moment. And those that are left behind, it's going to be horrible. Read the book of Revelation, what's going to happen after the Lord takes his church out of the world. His wrath is falling on this earth. It's going to be horrible. This coronavirus thing will be like a joke compared to what's coming on the whole earth. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you so much for this opportunity to share the word of God with those that are here, those that are listening at home. And I pray, Father, that we would take it seriously, we'd apply it to our heart and lives, and that we would truly become your evangelists everywhere we go. And so come and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Empower us, Lord, and give us the boldness that we need to be able to share our faith with all of our heart. I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you all.